Hello, and thank you for joining us for How Have You Not Seen, a movie podcast where each week we fill in the gaps in each other's cinematic knowledge by asking important questions like, you seriously never saw a waitress, or... Pokemon never watched Trainwreck, or... How have you not seen Thelma and Louise? again and thank you for joining us for how have you not seen i am your co-host caroline thompson i'm carson betts and this is how have you not seen a movie podcast where each week we pick one of our favorite movies that the other hasn't seen we talk about it then we go and watch the film we talk about it some more it is going to be actually a real good time so that having been said carson how have you not seen Thelma and louise that's a very good question kind of egregious i know it is but there's i don't know why but there's something about this movie that has always just been like I don't know. Is that one for me? I don't know. It is. It is. I think, okay. I think you'll really like it. Okay. Yeah, between just like it being shown every fucking weekend on APC Family growing up. Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel like the rep... I, I don't know. Okay. This is kind of me bleeding into the next section of the podcast in terms yes. of what I know. But I feel like the the reference to Thelma and Louise, the kind of joke about it, has always been these two things. It's always they're driving the car off the end. Yeah. Driving the car off the cliff. Correct. And it's just been, like, kind of a... It's it's the easy, shitty, like, late 90s sitcom joke of, like, anytime two ladies are getting a little bit too friendly, it's... That's the... That's the synecdoche they make. It's like... Yes. It's like, Thelma and Louise. Yes. Well, then, so that having been said, what do you know about Thelma and Louise? Uh, it's Susan Sarandon and another woman. Uh-huh. Don't know. Uh, and they are... Like they're both divorced their husbands. Is that it? Um or they don't have husbands. No, kind of and they kind hang of. out together and then they get into some trouble. Yes, that is true. And the cops are chasing them and then they drive up a cliff. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know shit about this movie. Okay, I'm great. also now realizing as I'm thinking about it for the first time. It is kind of an insane premise. Okay. The first 30 minutes is kind of just like, wait, what, 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 what? Okay. But this movie rules. I think you're really going to like it. Okay. Um, it is a banger. I will say, if you've not seen Thelma and Louise, um, you should watch it. But also, I will say, from just here on out for the rest of the episode, there is a... You know, a fairly large content warning for um, sexual assault. Um, so that is not something we'll really touch on too much right now, but that is something that if you are going to watch the movie, uh, that's important to note. And uh, if you're going to listen to the rest of this podcast, that uh, may come up at any time, just due to the plot of this film. Also, spoiler warning, I did literally say what the end of the movie is. What? The oh, right. Yes, yes. About them driving off the cliff. However, yes, that is that is one of those things that everybody Everyone knows going knows. into yeah, Thelma and Louise, uh, where the 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 sexual assault part portion of this film is not something I no. knew until I sat down and watched it for the first time. Yeah, because it is both uh, extremely important to the plot and also just kind of anyway. Um, so. Is that all you know about Thelma and Louise? Person? I think so. Well, in that case, we are going to move in to this week's game, and we are playing cool. We are playing a favorite, a classic that we have not played in a while. We are doing Six Degrees of Laura Dern. Carson. Okay. We are going to, uh, we are going to do this, uh, film if you are listening the first time, um, or if you just haven't heard an episode where we play, uh, where we play Six Degrees of Laura Dern, it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. I'm going to give Carson an actor in this film, and he is going to try to make a chain. Whereas this person worked with this person in this film, who worked with this person in this film, we are going to try to connect two esteemed American actor, uh, marquee idol, Laura Dern. So Carson, to give you a bit of um, a leg up, I'm going to read off some of the other actors in this film. Okay. You got Susan Sarandon as Louise. Yeah. Um, Thelma is played by Gina Davis. Okay, okay. Other actors of note in this film, Harvey Keitel. 
Okay. Michael Madsen. Okay. Um, Christopher McDonald, who you might not know by name, maybe you do, but, um, is, I, I know him most as Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore, a very recognizable Hollywood man. Um, Stephen Toblowski, a young Brad Pitt, and I think those are probably the biggest, most helpful names. So, Carson, I am going to let you, because this film is such a buddy uh, film, it is so about both Thelma and Louise, I'm going to let you pick whether you want to do... Either Gina Davis or Susan Sarandon? Either Gina Davis or Susan Sarandon. I gotta pick now? Well, I mean, you've gotta play the game. I can the chain. (laughs) I guess you can do it that way, too. Does that help me at all? Maybe. Ooh. 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 Wait, fuck me. She isn't that, isn't she? <gasps> okay, I got it. Okay. I was going a whole other route, and then I was like, no, fuck that, and then I remembered a thing. And you know what it was? I was thinking about something's gotta give. And Ooh. It, it unlocked it for me. Are you ready? Yes. Yeah. Susan Sarandon. Correct. Is in The Witches of Eastwick with Cher. Okay. Who is in Moonstruck with Nicolas Cage. Okay. Who is in fucking... Oh, I just lost the name of the movie. Wait. It's fucking wild at heart. Drawer darn. Amazing. Amazing. That is very good. You beat me. You beat me by one. Nice. My chain was, I I started with Gina Davis because, and I mean, you get a bit of an advantage because I came pretty prepared. But my chain was Gina Davis is in Thelma and Louise with Susan Sarandon. Yeah who was in the Rocky Horror Picture Show with Tim Curry, who is in Ooh. Muppet Treasure Island with Frank Oz as Miss Piggy, who was in The Last Jedi uh, with Laura Dern. Okay. I'm going to say usually we have a no Star Wars, no that's Marvel That's true, rule, but, but I... But that's a good fucking pool. But I full, really... So give it to you. I really got... Uh, I really got uh, excited about... That's a really good poll. ...using Muppet Treasure Island. It's a good one. And uh, frankly, frankly, if I'm being honest, I could have uh, I could have done... Um, I could have started with Sarandon and said Gina Davis is in The Fly with Jeff Goldblum, who is in Jurassic Park, oh, with That's Laura Dern. So but I thought, I thought coming prepared with that was maybe, was maybe a bit, was maybe a bit unfair. That's pretty so, fucking uh, To put you on the spot and try to get you to beat two on the spot, I thought was unfair. So you win this week. Congratulations. Way me. more important than that is, are you ready to go watch Thelma and Louise? I'm so ready. Excellent. Well, Apparently I know nothing about this movie. No, you don't know shit. Out. And yeah. it is a blast and a half. All right. Um, so we will see you guys in just a few moments when we have watched Thelma and Louise. Yeehaw, is that an appropriate? I, I think so. I think this it's movie, very appropriate. This movie's pretty yeehaw. This movie's yeah. pretty yeehaw. Okay, right at the top, I gotta I gotta say a couple of things. Because before we started, I was looking at the Wikipedia page for Thelma and Louise, just doing some digging. First off, I want to yes. say, uh, rest in peace to cinematographer Adrian Biddle, uh, who was the, cinemato- the Oscar-winning cinematographer on this movie. Uh, incredible, in- incredible looks on this. Uh, my dude did the, he was one of the major lighting people that worked with uh, Ridley Scott for the 1984 uh, Apple advertisement. Mm. Uh, from then has, I'll, I'll go backwards for you, Caroline. I'll go backwards through his filmography, giving you the greatest hits. Okay, uh, please do. Because I don't know last, this. Yeah, last movie before his death was James McTeague's V for Vendetta. Uh, a weird movie, but a very cool looking movie. A movie that looks good. A movie that mm-hmm. genuinely looks good. Uh did both uh, The Mummy Returns and Stephen Summers' The Mummy. Great. Great. Uh, but both yeah. films that look really good. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Very classic. Uh, Thelma and Louise. Shot. Yeah. Thelma and Louise, of course. Uh, Willow, The Princess Bride, his first job as a cinematographer, James Cameron's Aliens. Oh, hell yeah. I love it. I'm so glad you looked this up. I never would have yeah. looked this up. Thank you. Adrian, Adrian Biddle, what a fucking guy. Just wanted wanted you to know that. Uh, um, and then, sorry, go on. No, 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 you go ahead. Oh, and then one more thing. I want to I wanna quibble with the Wikipedia page for this film uh, because it states right up top, uh, Scott was nominated for Best Director, of course. Sarandon and Davis were nominated for Best Actress. To date, 
This is the most recent film to have two actors nominated in the same category for either Best Actor or Best Actress. I don't think that's true. Um, As of last year. What was what was one last year? Did, didn't they run, uh, or did they not? Colin Farrell and Gleason, did they, they did not know. No, no, because oh. no, wasn't the whole thing that Farrell was in? Yeah, Farrell was best and Gleason was supporting. Yeah, yeah, there okay. was a whole, a whole controversy about it. Okay, interesting, interesting. Okay, quibbling done. Yeah, um, I would actually really love to come back to cinematography in just a minute because that is a thing. There is a thing about how the cinematography works in this alongside Scott's direction that I think is really important for just the way that this film kind of works. Mm -hmm. um, but before we get back into that, Carson, just overall, like this is your first time watching film and yeah. Louise. What you think? Give me your give me your impressions. Give me your take. I mean, your thoughts. It's a fucking really cool and fantastic and like interesting movie. The thing, and it, it's also one of those movies that I think the more as I watch it more and more, I will probably only like it more and more as I kind of get on its level. Um, I will say, and we'll get to it when we get to it. I'm sure I mentioned in the first half of this that, you know, the, just how iconic the very end of this film is, you know, the car going off the cliff that has always been the joke that is associated with this, you know, the meme associated with uh -huh, it. Uh-huh, 100%. And, and like, like, if you're going to film it and Louise it, it's you're going to go off the cliff. Going like, off the cliff. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, what that and means. Despite the fact that I have now 27 years of cultural knowledge in my brain, all of which is there to remind me that the ending of Thelma and Louise is they drive a car off a cliff into the Grand Canyon. Uh, when it happens in the movie, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it was legitimately, it was legitimately surprising to me. Yeah. Even watching it. It is a wild ending to a film. A hundred percent. And it's yeah. one of those things too, where like, I remember like, dude, I, I do not know truly like what mm -hmm. it was, but um, this is one of those films that like was played on TV when I was growing up all the time. Yeah. And like specifically, I remember it being on like ABC family yeah. and like they would have the, they would have the like the, the the commercials for it where it was like Thursday night at eight o'clock, like Thelma and Louise, and it would be all like the all like the fun little bits of them doing like funny little like, yeah, like shooting yeah. things, blowing up trucks, like laughing in the car, like Susan Sarandon's little little like Jackie O look mm -hmm. with the the scarf and the glasses, and then it always ended with a car going off the cliff. Yeah. Like, it was, like, a thing that it was just, like, well, yeah, we don't even, like, like, we don't even need to, like, like, you're not, you're not tuning into this movie because you want to hear the story of Thelma and Louise. Like, you're going to tune into this because you know what this movie is. And, like, we're reminding you that, like, you want to watch this mm -hmm. because at the end, a car goes off a cliff. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, there was a joke about this I saw online years ago, but I thought it was really funny. There was, like, not an ABC family, maybe on TNT or whatever, though, like TNT, some FX, you know, some channel like that was playing Sixth Sense in like 2012. And in the trailer for Sixth Sense, he did, you know, I see dead people. And then they like show the reveal of him being a ghost or they made like a joke about it on the on the, you know, voiceover. Yeah. And and the joke is just like, what? So, so you're like, hey, tune into this movie. We've spoiled the twist for you. Yeah. But like. I don't know. It's it's not exactly the same because obviously them going off the cliff is not it does not operate as a twist in this movie, but it is just one of those things that is so ingrained in the collective psyche that like, yeah, we all know they're going off the cliff. We don't need to. Yeah. And it is one of those things too, where it's like in the context of the film, that's not played as like a as like a bit. You know what no. I mean? Like the film, like very, like, like organically builds to that. And it's very much like the payoff of like an emotional, mm -hmm. like thing that's going on, like an emotional sequence, an emotional scene, an emotional arc mm -hmm. that's going on. And like, yeah, so it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's, we'll get to it later. I want to talk about it in, in length, because it is, I think, I think it is a, as you're saying, it's a very emotionally and thematically appropriate way to end the film as a plot element it is really weird and like i can imagine people walking out of this movie 
when it first came out, walking out of the theater being like, yeah, great movie. I, those last 10 minutes, I don't know what was going on, you know? Like, yeah. it really kind of came out of nowhere. But um, that being said, I, I do also want to say, I'm sure you said in the first half, we, content warning, we do need yes. to talk about sexual assault fairly graphically for this episode of work. Yes, um, yes. It is a very, it is a very yes. integral part of this film. Baked in the pie of this thing. Um, in addition, I, I think we, not necessarily immediately, but I'm definitely going to us. Uh, spoilers isn't the right word. I guess also content warning for The Last Duel. Another movie I want to talk about in this yeah, that is also yeah. about, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. I think you're 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 hitting on all the things I want to talk about. Okay, so good. Go go good, ahead. Because because my 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 big two of my big takeaways for this film, and especially like as Scott as a director, is mm-hmm. the way he presents uh, just presents events, mm-hmm. um, and also the cinematography. Yeah. So like yeah. the way he pre- presents events to make them political, like capital P, like this yep, is yep, yep. you know um like, about power struggle and exactly yeah. exactly so yes those are like okay. my two big things that i like to talk about with this movie and the last stool and also a little bit alien okay well let's let's get into the film and louise talk by talking about a completely different movie which is the last duel um because i think we've talked about we've talked around the last duel a lot in this podcast caroline i don't ever know that we've like sat down and had the last dual conversation on this podcast no, yet. nothing nothing too crazy because we uh we did talk about it a little bit over on patreon.com slash hhyns pod um for last year's um scenes because yeah, yeah. we gave a few of uh we gave it a few scenes and we mm-hmm. it certainly had a few scenes nominations um Absolutely. But yes, I don't think we talk, we, we've never talked about the film in earnest. We've talked yeah. about elements of it. We've talked about writing of it. We've talked about like, um, like performances in it, but we've not talked about like that film in earnest. Yeah. The, there's two things. One, in terms of what you're saying, depiction of events, particularly sexual assault, that is both in this movie and The Last Duel. There was also this thing that I think about in both movies where both are films that really explicitly and really graphically deal with both visualized sequences and just themes and you know the fallout of um women who are who are raped or attempted you know in this terms in this movie it's an attempted rape um and despite that both of these movies do work as kind of four quadrant blockbusters they are not unpleasant to watch i mean obviously those scenes are unpleasant to watch but in terms of right. as films, they are not particularly dark or particularly dour. I would say this movie is a tragedy in kind of a in like a generic sense. But yeah, it is a very and it's yeah, fun. yeah. It, it's a, but it's it's for the most part a very fun, very lively, very engaging movie that it, it does not feel like homework. It does not feel like you have to eat your vegetables so that you you know watching this movie about sexual assault so that you can get the good thematic messaging of you know, what the what the specter of sexual assault does to women in America. No, 100%. And, and like, similarly for Last Duel, like, that movie does also just work as a cool historical action movie also, in addition to it being... I, I, yeah, I will say, a, a distinction I will make is, um, is, and like, is Thelma and Luis works as like a crowd-pleasing blockbuster um like despite having some of that and mm. some of that baggage whereas the last duel works as that alongside having some of that baggage if that makes sense because yeah. like, i do think the last duel is a little bit more it is a little bit more like fucking about yeah yeah, yeah sure like, i see that but no but i mean i agree and i mean i think it's a thing that um i think part of what you're getting at carson is you mentioned that um you know the films like have these disturbing sequences but don't forsake their like other qualities and i think obviously that that's on purpose but and and i think a, a big part of that is like i think that they operate this way to purposefully work to that effect but like i think alongside of that it's because the films the films present the characters and the behaviors Mm -hmm. like 
of the people who do that as the ick, as opposed to the film's goal is to disturb the viewer, if that makes sense. Like, yes. it's especially true in this film. And I think it's something that, like, again, I think runs through The Last Duel and I think runs a little bit through Alien as well. And, like, one of the things I like about Scott as a filmmaker is he does like to present things very objectively. Mm -hmm. Like he likes to kind of why I was like, oh, I'm glad you're hitting on the cinematography is because like, you know, uh, other films that deal with this subject matter can get a little expressionistic with stuff. It can get a little like, you know, this is the, like, this is the up close. This is the, these are the, you know, these are the symbols or the signifiers of yeah, yeah. of whatever. And we're going to, you know, we're going to get really up close with like either of the two parties or like we're going to really focus in on like this part of the body or like the way, like it's very important that you like notice how, uh, you know, like how the the survivor's like, heart starts to race, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, whatever yeah. it is. And instead this film is like, Hey, here's a scene where a person is trying to do this to another person. And mm -hmm. this is what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And like, so obviously the act is terrible. The, uh, the person who's doing it is terrible, but the film is not setting out to turn it into a horror sequence. Yeah. It's a very, and it is scary because the person is scary and the act is scary, but it's not scary because the film is trying to get under your skin aesthetically yeah 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 um it, that's it's it's yeah. interesting because and again i think a alien certainly too though though the the sexual assault in that movie is is a lot more metaphorical but in terms of sure. the way that it's it's captured cinematographically it's still you know it's still it's still shot fairly objectively a lot of stuff in medium wide um last duel and the the, the thing that we have talked about that is the most interesting thing about that film and it's it's a it that is a tough movie to be like the number one stand for because I've had many conversations with people where I've been like the last duel it's an incredible movie you should watch it and they're like isn't it because the the advertisements of that movie I think leaned rather heavily on well this is a movie about sexual assault which mm -hmm. is probably good because I it probably would have been worse if people went into that movie not expecting it like that would have been no totally you know that's that's you know I think worse. But people will be like, ah, isn't that the, you know, isn't that like a movie about rape? Isn't that kind of, and I'm like, yes, it is. But it's, and those parts are really harrowing and very dour. But there's so much to the filmmaking that's so interesting and lively and, and unique and cool. And they're like, wow, but you got to do it. And they'll, and people have known about, I've spoken to friends of mine that have known like, oh, it's the Ra Rashomon, like three perspectives thing. And they'll be like, so they do the rape scene twice and i go yes and it's one of the more interesting things about the about movie the film yeah is one and i'm like and it's it's hard to sell people because obviously if if you just have a sensitivity to, to it or you just don't want to see a very explicit you know scene of rape get it totally cool that's fine shouldn't have to watch that but the, you know i've spoken to people i'm like no the fact that they show it twice and the fact that they are almost exactly the same scene is one of the most interesting parts of the movie the way 110 percent, and the and way that that works is is both scenes are shot pretty in pretty similar objective ways they're not very expressionistic yeah and and yeah. i and you know i feel like if anybody is listening to this podcast they are probably in the realm that we are in which yeah. is like films and art and everything can can have horrible terrible disgusting things to say yeah that is very true um but a film is not like terrible or harmful or bad for being about a certain subject matter it's what it does with and what it says about said subject yeah. matter and yeah. i think you know i mean like most people probably who are listening to the show probably tend to agree with that to some degree and yeah and it's like i feel the same way like i mean <clears throat> It is one of those things where, like, like that film and those scenes are disturbing, as they are in this film, as they are in film yeah. and movies. Like, they're they're disturbing. They're hard to watch. Um, it does not mean that the, those films like shouldn't be made, or and it does not mean that those films should not exist. 
Um, and it doesn't mean that the, there's anything ethically wrong with telling stories about these things. It's just like, hey, if that doesn't, if that's not something that you personally can stomach, if that's not something that you personally are able to sit through, then understandable. Like that's great, but like the yeah. film itself isn't bad for existing. But and and yeah, and I I, I tend to agree with the last duel is that like, yeah, I mean it is it it is a really hard selling point because like the second time they did the scene and it's from her perspective, mm -hmm. that is when I was like, holy shit, Adam Driver is like one of the best actors on the planet. Yeah. yeah. Because like the first time, it's really disturbing. It's like it's, it, it's 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 truly very uncomfortable to watch and very like yeah clearly bad, but it is like when it's from his perspective, and you see almost all of the same lines, all of the same everything. Mm -hmm. Like you you watch it and you're like, how is this from his perspective? Like how is he yep. the good guy in this scenario? Like how is he yeah. in the right in this scenario? And then you see it again from her perspective and it's just the 11% difference. And it like, it just like makes your skin crawl. Yeah. And like, it's supposed to make your skin crawl. So like it makes your skin crawl. And it's, it's the thing that anytime I've had a conversations movie, the thing that I usually pinpoint or about last duel in specific, you know, the, 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 diff, the, the kind of difference in driver's performance in those two scenes is that it's interesting because the scene from driver's perspective is and there are sequences earlier in the film in which he's speaking to Jodie Comer and the scenes from his perspective, you can, you could say, oh, well, in this scene earlier, there is some flirtation happening here. There's a connection that's being developed. And then obviously that character takes it way too fucking far and invades her privacy in that horrible way. But like in the Adam Driver perspective scene, it is still very clearly a rape watching it from the outside. It is not as though... I think a weaker choice would be, well, we do the scene from his perspective and it's, there is more consent given. No, that's, not what, that's not what happens. That's not what happens. It's still a violation of both scenes. Like the difference that I pinpoint on is that in the first scene, he seems evil, but he seems very powerful. It's a little bit more empowering to Adam Driver. He is a bit more confident in all of his actions. And in the second scene, he is just a little bit more slimy and a little bit more pathetic. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's it's meaner. Yeah, yeah and it's meaner. And it's meaner. Yeah, there's like no you you can see him in the, his scene. You can see him justifying it to himself. In the next scene, you can see him. You from Homer's perspective, you can see that there is absolutely no justification for what is happening. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and an important thing that that film does, and then we can come back to talking about Thelma and Louise, is that yes. uh, the first two uh, sequences are the truth according to blank, the truth according mm -hmm. to blank. And then um, the third one, it says the truth according to Lady Marguerite. And then the according to Lady Marguerite fades away. Yeah, because it's just <laughs> the truth. It's very obvious, but, you know, we can all say, yeah, it's also, I think about half the film is the truth according to Lady Marguerite, which. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it gives her more time, which is cool. Um, that but being yes. said, yeah, sorry. Go, no, but... and, and, and it's a thing that I think, I'm glad you hit on the cinematography. Yeah. Um, because I do think it's very, very true in that a thing I like about Ridley Scott as a director, especially in these three movies that we've hit on, is he does view these like, you know, he does view these power structures. He does view these like um, ways in which women are oppressed and in which women are subjugated as like just politics. Like he does yeah. view them as just like, this is an objective reality of these mm -hmm. worlds and of like the power dynamic that exists. And so it is these things of like, there is no sentimentality to this whatsoever. Yeah. There is not a sentimentality to, you know, for example, um, there's no sentimentality to Luis, like not wanting to go back to Texas. There's no hysterics about it. Like they are very upset. In yeah. a bunch of these scenes. Yeah. But the film does not frame it as like, oh, they're like they're triggered, you know? Yeah. Like, no. They're 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 triggered about these things. Like they're they're like whatever. It it does really frame it as like these characters are upset and they but they are thinking rationally mm -hmm. and they're upset and they're scared and they're pissed off, but like 
it does not ever get into that. Like, like, like Louise never has the hysterical breakdown of why she doesn't want to go back to Texas. Yeah. It's very like, and so I just, I find it to be very, very powerful. Yeah. Um, Because it doesn't lean into, it's almost like, you know, there's the whole apocryphal, apocryphal thing with Alien where all the characters were written from a gender neutral perspective. And yeah. I have a bit of an axe to grind against mm-hmm. the internet because people like to say that Ripley was written as a man. Mm-hmm. Ripley was not written as a man. No. The, the opening page of the screenplay of Alien, which I have read, says like all characters can be played as either a man or a woman. Yeah. And it just has their last names. And so like it, it is Ripley was not written to be a woman, but she was not written to be a man. She was written to be like a like a like a like an officer on mm-hmm. a ship. Yeah. And so it wasn't like it was Elton Ripley and then they changed it to L, you exactly, know. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it's like I I really like, you know, it was um Scott's choice to make that role specifically a woman. And I think it's like some people get upset by that and they say like one of the strongest like like one of the strongest women in genre sci-fi was not even written to be a woman but like was changed to be a woman and like i i kind of understand that impulse to some degree but also it's like isn't it cooler to me it is that like women's issues are not important in these films because they make women feel bad it's like they they are important in these films because they are real world human experiences that yeah hurt people objectively mm-hmm. yeah and like and i love that like there it's not it's not like these things aren't bad because it made thelma and louise or ellen ripley or mcgree lady mcgree they're not bad because those things made those women sad those yeah. things are are bad because they're bad and they are hurting human beings and taking a Mm -hmm. real human toll on people yeah and i think it's super important it's it's the thing that we talked a lot about about last duel too and it's you can see it look it's these three films it's a a a bit of historical late medieval fiction based upon a real world event it's film and louise which you know takes place uh, you know during its release modern day but is a fictional story and then in alien in the fucking far-flung future in a you know complete metaphorical sci-fi universe and like it's not that those films are refused to engage with the particular context in which those stories are set but they do operate as human stories about politics and power and um and assault and you know all that stuff that is is operates outside of that context that works without it it's the cool yes. thing about Last Duel is that it both feels hyper specific to okay, well, this situation could only happen in this one period of late medieval France, but also you can take from it so much about you know the power differential between men and women throughout history and apply yeah. it to other situations. And yeah, yeah I mean, similar Thelma and Louise. It's it's one of those just. So much of this movie that the care, you know, things that you can just assume as an audience member and you, fi- you filling in those gaps reinforces the themes that the movie's trying to tell you. It's, you know, the thing of like Louise being like, well, I got to get out of here. And they have the whole conversation about like, well, wh- why didn't she just go to the police? And she's like, what are they going to, what are they going to do? And as soon as she says like, what would have happened there? You fill in the gaps to your brain. What would have happened there? Well, they probably would have talked about her and and they they explicitly say it in this movie, but you can figure it out before they ever do. Well, people saw her dancing with Harlow in the bar. They saw him or saw her go out with him. Nobody would necessarily believe that he, you know, that he did those things to her. And, and you know, Louise did, did shoot him, you know, and even if she said, oh, I shot him, not when he was doing the act, but afterwards, yeah she's you know it doesn't matter how justified it was it she's yeah. she's going away one way or the other no yeah 100 percent. and like and and I, I i again just have to say that like how much i love that they frame those things as not acts of hysterics no, no you know um like again 
Uh, really Louise, rational decisions. Yeah, Louise is very upset when she is yelling at Thelma and being like, what the fuck do you think is going to happen? Like, they're going to yeah. blah, 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 blah. But it is that thing of like, she's spelling out like an argument. It is a good observation. It is an astute observation. It is probably 110% correct. And yes, it is said in frustration and in anger and in fear, but it is not the logic of an insane mm -hmm. person it is not the yeah. logic of a hysterical woman no. um it's, it's the cool thing about the way that the plot unfolds too is that like you start at point a there are these you know these two women they're going on vacation together and something occurs in the bar and and harlan gets shot and all that goes down and you end with the two of them are on the run from the fbi and the police and they have to you know jump off and you're like okay well the jump from this thing to this thing seems ridiculous, but there are so many little individual choices along the way. And each choice is pretty fucking logical. Like you can see why any person in that situation, it is not nothing that they ever do seems that weird or crazy in the moment. And it's why it works so well as like a capital T tragedy, because the fundamental tragedy that befalls Luis in particular, but the two of them together is that she chose to shoot him at that moment. You know, yeah. she chose to, she, like, she had a slight, not very outsized, but a slightly outsized reaction to him, you know, uh, uh, I don't even remember, I think it, whatever he says, if he just says suck my dick or whatever he does in that moment, and she responds with shooting him. And it's like that mistake, with that, with that mistake, her entire fate is already, already foretold. There's no way that she can get out of this. Yeah, and no, every, 100%. And, and then every next choice is just a reaction to the last, is a logical and good reaction to the thing that happened before. No, 100%. And I mean, like, it is a thing too, again, going back to just like how this film is shot so like very objectively and very just like, you know, almost like it, it's shot like a very classical drama almost, you know yeah. what I mean? Just like, it's just like the camera is there and it's capturing the events. And um, like, you know, the camera, like, and, and I really do say this to this film's credit. Like I, every time I watch this film, I am like, so in love with how it's shot yeah. um for this exact reason because like all of these things like the film is like kind of always on their side yeah like it's always so it's like it's like you know like when they're doing things like like holding up the trucker and mm -hmm. putting a gun to him and being like apologize apologize yeah. apologize like I, I i love it like it is yeah. it is a thing that i think is like it's a very silly moment and it's a very fun moment and it's a very comical moment but at the same time it is this thing of like you know like i i can't help but think about how like in this world like men are taught to be like and very very generally speaking pain with very large brushes here yes. obviously obviously but like men are taught to be like violent and get what they want yeah. via violence and like via toughness and via like any means necessary and they're also taught like what they want should be like material money sexual you know it's like mm -hmm. it's like to, to gain things to gain power and so i love this moment when it's just like like you give these women power and they're like, like, like if like, obviously nobody myself or the film or anybody else thinks like Harlan is in any way, shape or form good or justified with what he is doing. Bad guy, bad, bad guy. dude. Let's, let's put it out there. Bad guy. Yeah. No but good. It's just, it's just that thing of like both him and like this trucker and all that stuff. It's like, we're, we're in a world in which like men are using violence to get what it is they want and mm -hmm. they think that that's justified so i love that they're using violence to get an apology you yeah, know what i mean yeah. and it's like and it is that thing of like like is an apology under duress actually an apology no of course fucking not but it's yeah. like it's what these women want it's what yeah. these women deserve it's what these women feel like they need and deserve and so it's just like you know what fine fuck it push comes to shove you're gonna do this as we're gonna do it right back and yeah, i and love it, yeah. it. and it's and so it, silly Oh yeah, it feels well, so point, justified. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, also just because you built up that dude, that fucking trucker. Who I mean, it's it's a really good, it's a really good stupid fucking idiot performance. Like at that point in the film, things have so spun out of control that like 
between that and them exploding in the oil tanker and then them flying the car off to the Grand Canyon, like that cartoonishness almost feels pretty justified. Like, again, you sit down and you look at the movie from the perspective of like the fairly naturalistic beginning of these, you know, two women who are kind of having trouble with their significant others in different ways are going on a girl's trip, you know, and, and, you know, they get into some trouble and things go awry, but then like by the end it is, they are blowing up oil truckers and flying into the Grand Canyon. And, and it ending on a feels frame and it rules, but it is, but it is a really, it is a, the, and I think Scott does a pretty good job of kind of expanding the, um, you know, expanding the, the tone of the movie as it goes along, making it more exaggerated and more cartoonish such that like this trucker who is barely saying words is just kind of like slobbering and yammering, you know, can fit into, uh, the world of this film by the end. Um, yeah, yeah. It's and really good. Yeah, and I I think an important thing to bring up as well is that, like, I think this film does a really fun balancing act between kind of three things, right? Mm -hmm. It's, like, between just being an old-school, like, Western, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it takes place in modern day, but, like, it's a Western about two outlaws who are trying to make it across the border down to Mexico. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Very, very classic. Very Mm -hmm. classic Western western trope western tale right there um they got into some trouble at a saloon things went sideways and they shot a cowpoke and now they got to get on down to exactly Mexico. and they killed yep. a guy and they got to get they got to get out yep, of dodge yep. yep so between that between like a very true to life story about like how like a very like i don't want to say i don't want to say like observant necessarily but like a very true to life thing like a very true to life story about how like hey as soon as women start like start like edging out of their quote unquote like you know like predetermined like quote unquote like societal roles as soon as they kind of like take a step outside it's like it's like they are driven out like you know what i mean it's like it's like they yeah. are uh, they are just driven out of society, like, you know, like almost like like in a very uh in a very like old school witch hunty way, you know, yeah. just like, you know, like they 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 put one toe out of line and that's it for you. And like you're getting mm-hmm. run out of town. Um and also a film in which women are making choices for themselves, which I think is really hard to do in a film like this because it like it does it is a film about how you know when women quote unquote step out of line they are uh they are they are driven out of society but it's also a film in which the women are in control the whole time and it's a film about how like you know like well i guess in the grand scheme of things they are victims Mm -hmm. it's like they never lose their agency and yeah, a lot of ways it's it's the cool thing about and i was kind of surprised by it a little bit watching the movie but as soon as it kind of occurred i'm like oh no that's actually a really good choice to your point caroline is that like i mean thelma having sex with with jd is like a really cool choice because it's not as though this sexual assault has turned her off as a sexual being and not to say that you know not that people obviously have different reactions to things not to yeah, say that there's yeah, yeah. one true way to do so but like I think usually the trope there is when a woman becomes a victim in a movie, she loses a bit of her humanity. You know, there are some things that just kind of turn off to her. She kind of hundred percent inside. Yes, 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 and yes, like, yes. It is entirely the opposite in this movie. It is. It's actually, she feels a lot freer. She says after she has sex with JD, she's like, Oh my God, I see what all the fuss is about. It's like, yeah, yeah well, cause you have between Brad Pitt, who first off, pretty cute pretty cute in this movie handsome a handsome young man they, they said look this at film. this cute boy you can't resist him here he is he's wearing a cowboy hat um and like b- between brad pitt who like is a scumbum let's be serious but who is like legitimately trying to romance and 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 woo her in ways that you know for a fact her husband is not doing like correct yeah her making the choice to have sex with him seems perfectly rational and like other than you know losing the money pretty much pays off for her um, and then, you know, similarly, like Sarandon, I really like her costuming. I like that she's kind of wearing less and less as she goes on. She's letting her hair down more and more. Like she starts in this very kind of 
you know, this long dress and her hair's in this updo. And by the end, she's wearing like the the scarf and the and the tank top and all that. And it, it, you know, it's it's that, you know, as she kind of accepts that she is an outlaw and they're doing more of these things, she is becoming more free and more human and more open to the actual world. And yeah. It's, it's cool. It's great. It is such yeah. a hard balancing act to 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 do that. And I I think like we've just been like circling mm-hmm. around it, but just like the way that the film never gets down into playing like aesthetically like schmaltzy or playing victimhood or playing yeah. you know and and the thing that i do want to make clear is it is fine when films do that like yeah there's there a time are, and a place for them you know like there it's a thing we've talked about before that like one film doing any one thing is not a, is really truly any film doing really anything probably in a vacuum is probably not a problem it's when every film that exists does the same thing yeah and when we start saying like oh if a film does this then that's ethically bad um obviously within reason because there are like reprehensible <laughs> films that it, it nation exists things. yeah exactly yeah. exactly you know it is just that thing of like it is so refreshing that this film doesn't do those things you know yeah. and like and, and it's fine like i do love me a good expressionistic film about like you know where the the uh audience or where the the artist is trying to convey like well this is what this experience feels like or this is what it like this is like subjectively like what it was like when i went through like that's awesome like that's a great way to make art and to share your experience but it's also cool too to have a film like this where it is just kind of like you know almost almost allegorical in just like ah yes this character this character kind of stands for this and like as we watch this character do this we can kind of surmise that like we can we can extrapolate to a larger degree that this is what this film is saying about quote-unquote society you know yeah between between you saying that and me talking about the ending it's I, i think i'm kind of elucidating like a difference that i enjoy is that like the ending of this film does not because I do think it gets more cartoonish and more broad and more and less naturalistic than the, you know, the first two thirds of the movie. Absolutely. But that never plays expressionistically to me. It, it's it's mythic. It's it's literally we're yes. going to rise this to the point of like, because, again, like you said, this is generically a Western and it's well, we're going to turn this into a fucking rootin' tootin', you know, dime store novel. You know, we're going to do do a Sam Shepard on it. Um can we can we talk about uh, Michael Madsen? Can we talk about the Michael Madsen scene? Yes, please. Fucking heartbreaking. Fucking heartbreaking. Is so, so sad, the scene between the two of them. I think it's a really good choice to have the, the two parallel tracks of her flirting with Brad Pitt and then Sarandon and Madsen in the other room. Just see, it's interesting because so much of the history between all these characters, you don't really get. It's not as though the first full third of this movie is the two of them at home with their significant others so that you really get like a sense of what it's like. You know, it's kind of just given us. I mean, you can tell like, okay, well, Thelma's husband is a a fucking megalomaniacal, just a classic patriarch. And and it seems like um, Madsen's just kind of not there. Madsen's just not around. He's not giving her the time he needs. But you don't really understand. You don't get like the specifics of their relationship. And like what the two of them do together in that hotel room scene, the way that they imply so much history between them is mm-hmm. really cool and really incredible. And so fucking sad. Yeah. That she's just like, I don't even, whatever the specific line is, like, did you did you take a pill that made you say all the right things? And yeah. he's like, I'm, and he says, I'm choking on it. Oh, it it's good. It's, it's really it's good. good. It's really good. It's a good movie. And, uh, and them just having the, the scene in the diner and like, you can tell like, okay, well, this is maybe the first time that he's, now that he's seeing trouble and like, there's some, there's, you know, he might be losing this woman. He's finally opening up to her in a, in a, in a sort of real way that you can tell that he hasn't before. And, now that she's been sort of, you know, forcibly, what's even the word, kind of like forcibly freed from like the trap of American womanhood, she's able to kind of respond to him as an equal. And like, it means that they both love each other in a more real way than they ever have, but also now they can't be together. Yep. Like it's, it's 
Really? Oh, it's so tragic and sad, just like everything else in this movie. Ah, uh, it's cool. I love that scene. Like yeah, a lot. I'm I'm glad you liked it a lot. I'm I glad did. you liked it a lot. It I is did. a great scene, and like fucking Madsen's one of those people that uh, just like. I mean, whatever. Like, good for him. He, I mean, he. I mean, he has a better, he has a better film career than either of us have. But That's true. Just, you know, one of those guys that I'm just like, why aren't you more famous? Yeah, yeah. Because like, uh, shout out. Um, I'm actually not sure when this episode's dropping, so either it just dropped mm-hmm. or will be dropping very soon. Um, we just were over on, um, podcast like it's 1992, um, mm-hmm. talking about the uh, amazingly they asked us to come on to talk about reservoir dogs which are uh, kind of a big film kind of, an kind of a big movie film. yeah uh-huh. um but uh yeah friend of the show and i know we frequently say friend of the show flippantly but like friend of the show yeah saint <laughs> james actual friend of the pod um emily saint james asked us to be on there and so i just watched this and like i don't know like less than a week ago i watched reservoir dogs yeah and there's this moment in reservoir dogs when they are at the um when they're at the diner in that film and uh uh joe is just like somebody somebody put a bullet in this guy and madsen just the camera cuts to madsen and he puts up his little hand yeah, his little and goes Pew, and yeah. just like gives himself a little wink and a smile and like i saw that and i was like holy shit why doesn't michael madsen have an oscar <laughs> I was like, he's he's so this good guy's why doesn't star. he have an oscar Hey, he was in Call of He was in the voice cast for Call of Duty Three. Call of Duty Three, which one I was think, that? Like the, uh, the old, the old original Call of Duty Three, I, or like I one of the nine? So wow, good for him. Yeah. Oh no, Grand Theft Auto Three. I misread. Oh, Grand Theft Auto Three. Okay. Very. Fun. Wait, who is he in Dishonored? Well, now I'm. Well, I don't know. Well, now I got to look into this. I love the Dishonored video games. Oh, man. I played the first one and thought it was fine. I played it, uh, I think, six times so wow, far. That, that first is game. so many times. Yeah. Michael Madsen, also, fun fact, has 311 credits mm-hmm. on IMDb that have been released. Damn. He has 20 upcoming. Damn. Damn. Good for Madsen. Yeah, but he should. He's so good. He's good. Yeah. Uh, sim- similarly, also uh, another member of the Reservoir Dogs, Harvey Keitel. Uh, yeah, we- yeah. Weird role in this movie. Really weird. Yeah. I I I think his he's, he's a really interesting character in all this because his role seems to just be again as the police response to their their outlawness gets more and more outsized as like literally as i've said by the end they've got multiple helicopters and fbi vans chasing after them um he is just this one guy who just keeps every time they're like we gotta track him down he's just like hey everybody let's just be reasonable can we just like calm down yeah he's like ladies just stop so we can talk and they're like fuck no and he's like fbi stop pursuing them let's chill out and they're like fuck no and it's like He's this guy standing in the middle who is like, I don't know. I both see him and I'm like, man, you know, I guess I appreciate this character for like trying to approach this with a level of of rationality. But also he is so clearly blind to like what is going on here, like the tragedy of what is already in motion. And it's, oh God, I, I do keep thinking of that image of him when they're about to go off the cliff, how like all the are behind him and he's chasing after them with his arm outstretched. And he's trying to be like, He's standing in the middle of these two like mythic forces fucking trying to stop them. And there's no way that he can do it. Yeah. I don't know. Something to that Some power in that that image, I guess. But yeah, yeah. he's what a guy. Yeah. But, okay. So here's a question. Yeah. Um, to kind of uh to kind of get into this. I mean, I was gonna say, well, uh, clearly either. Uh, clearly either of these women should have won whether whether davis or sarandon should have won uh mm-hmm. lead actress but um actually the winner that year was jodie foster for the Islands of the lambs so maybe okay maybe that's well that's you know that's maybe not. tough to beat tough to beat tough to beat jodie foster says in the lambs this is tough tough performance to beat honestly this is a pretty like like for this podcast this is a pretty uh all-time list of five actresses slash films because mm-hmm. it's jodie foster in silence of the lambs mm-hmm. which like come on how can you not yeah, gina huge. davis for thelma and louise susan sarandon for thelma and louise bet midler the- theatrical legend for a film called for the boys which i'm not very familiar with never heard of that movie and then laura dern mm-hmm. 
for rambling roads. Mm-hmm. So I mean, big big time, big yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, is, is your question which of the two performances is my favorite? Which well, which of the two performances is your favorite, and or which one gets, and or which one gets the Oscar from you? I mean, when we do our end of season awards, I will have to like make this decision in a real way. Yeah, I I I maybe. They're both really fucking good. I'm not trying to, it's two really fucking incredible performances. I maybe prefer Sarandon. I think she's got a bit more range. Yes. I think just what the movie asks. And just, I also, okay, the other thing that I really keep getting hung up on is there is the scene, and it really speaks to the thing we've been talking about the whole time, this kind of, this objectivity, the way that, you know, as you talk about Ridley Scott, just kind of seeing this as sort of objective reality as capital P politics as just, you know, people in society, in space, in which, in to whom things occur, and there is the the scene in which they're driving at night, and uh, Gina Davis brings up the. She starts laughing because she she is remembering Harlan dying, and it's this really dark kind of weird laughter response. And it's also a really great performance from her. The way that she she handles that, how she's like. You can see she's like, oh, God, she's like two inches away from just being on the edge of tears about it. But just how it's hitting her brain at that time, it's just really making her laugh. And you kind of start laughing because the way just the way she's describing it is funny. Um, and Serena just keeps telling her to stop. Like, just shut that. That's dark. Don't talk about, you know, stop that. And then it turns into like, why did you, you know, had had it been? It's the kind of the big question of Serena's character of like, OK, well, had you shot him? to defend me, to stop the assault, that's one thing. But you waited until I was gone, and then he said something, and then you shot him. And you didn't need to do that. Why did you do that? And she's like, I just, it just happened. Yeah. And then, and and Gina, Gina Davis has the line. She said, like, it happened to you, didn't it? Sarandon just, just asks her what? And she says, she says it very explicitly. She says the rape. And, and she just shuts, she just turns and shuts her up and is like, we don't talk about that. Like, we're not, we're not going there. And it's, it's, I, that's a really, like, one, it just, you get the, you don't need to know the history of it. You don't need to know. It's part of the thing of, like, it implies so much about just society and women in society and what happens to women in society. But also so much about her character in specific of you, you do understand, okay, well, that's, that's maybe the reason. That's maybe the thing. Yeah. And and, And, and it's more interesting that you don't know, you know. Yeah, no, 100%. And I mean, it's one of those things, too, where it's like, again, just going back to this like whole objective reality of all of this is like mm-hmm. it, it is cool to see characters clearly reacting to events that are clearly traumatic, like, yeah, yeah. nothing, nothing, not, not fighting anything there, but like, with active choices that like, have shaped their worldview and their behavior. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't get the sense with that scene in particular, and also anytime Sarandon talks about it, I don't get the sense that, like, that, you know, I don't get the sense that Thelma brings it up, and Mm -hmm. Louise, like, and it strikes a nerve with Louise, and Louise, like, lashes out in anger. Yeah. I get the sense that Thelma brings this up, and Louise, and it pisses Louise off off as it mm-hmm. should and as it can yeah. and as she's fully in within all of her rights to do and she makes decisions based on that and like yeah. that's a very that's a very fine line but it's so important mm. in that like you know it's not again going back to just like it's not these hysterical women who are lashing out because like oh like these poor victims like these bad things happen to them and now they can't control them it's like she is like like Louise, I don't understand why you don't go to Texas. It's a very funny line. And yeah. upon rewatch, it's 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 you know more upsetting because when you know, yeah, you know what she's, she's like, about to say. Just like just like Louise, we're in Oklahoma, like and we're trying to get to Mexico. There ain't nothing between Oklahoma and Mexico but Texas. Mm-hmm. And it's very funny because she's like, We don't go to Texas. Like, I don't fucking drive through Texas. I ain't going to Texas, fuck Texas. Yeah. And you're kind mm-hmm. of just like, okay, what a what a what a silly thing to do. Um but it is that thing where it's like there is we kind of talked about it last week when we talked about enemy where there's mm-hmm. like a lot of times in films there's this foreboding thing when a character yeah. has information they're withholding 
And it's yeah. like you see a shift in the character and they like try to hide it and they kind of lie. And they're like, you can tell they get that pit in their stomach and they're like, no, like, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. And you're kind of like, why? In a way that yeah. can sometimes feel like a cheap way to get investment, you know, or a cheap yeah. way to get emotional buy-in from the audience. Not always, but it can. Um, and it's that thing that I love about this movie is it's like, is it's like Thelma as a fucking rule doesn't go yeah. to fucking Texas. And yeah. we find out why it's upsetting and it's tragic and it's yeah. unfortunate and it's the worst. But like, it's like this character decides I don't fucking go to Texas. Yeah. Like, I don't fucking go to Texas. And like, that's what yeah. we're doing. And like, I am justifiably pissed off about the notion of doing it. And and to speak to her, Rhea, and it's another thing I love about Sarandon's performance and the relationship between the two women in this movie is that like her reaction kind of getting pissed off and, and choosing to get short uh, with Thelma in that moment. It is partially because it's it, it is partially an emotional response, but it's also partially because she does know that that is the thing that's going to get her to stop, you know, stop this behavior, because a lot of this movie is Louise convincing Thelma, Louise bringing Thelma along, Louise explaining the situation to Thelma because she's usually in these situations. She's the one with the, with the resolve. As soon as that gun goes off, she knows what needs to be done. And the rest yeah. of the movie is her is she's pretty much convinced herself in most of these scenes, but it's a lot of, she needs to convince Thelma to go along with her because yeah. she can't do it alone, you know? Yeah. And, and again, going back to like her choosing to shoot him, presumably they could have left, you know, yeah. and just like whatever. And then he mouths off and she, and it pisses her off. So she chooses to shoot him. I, and yeah. I, just, I, I love it. I, love I it. wonder the, I'm thinking now between the relationship between the two of them, because the only two instances I can think of in which, and I might be completely wrong about this. I don't know. I've only seen the movie one time. But the only two instances I can think of in which Thelma convinces Louise of something is they go to the bar at the beginning of the movie and she convinces her to start drinking and she orders the she orders a, a margarita with a shot of tequila on the side, which is a cool order. Yes. Um, and then, which obviously, not to say that there is a one-to-one correlation between what then happens, but, you know, there is, from that decision, then things occur and it, and things go wrong. And then the, and then Thelma convincing Louise to pick up JD, and then he ultimately ends up stealing their money. Yes. And I'm, I don't, I can't think of another. I mean, it's interesting not to say like, oh my God, it's all fucking Louise, it's all Thelma's fault. No, you know, obviously that is two dudes who fucked them over actually. But mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that there are these two nexus, these two decision points in which she gets her way. And like the result of that is that things go wrong. And Louise is the one who needs to be kind of more controlling of the situation. Totally. Yeah. It's interesting. It's yeah. a great movie. It's and a cool movie. Do you have anything else to say about Thelma and Louise? I feel like, I feel like I can just, again, this is one of those movies that I'm like, yeah. I have my thesis. I love the way that it operates in these four ways. And I could talk about how every frame in this film works towards that end. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. really compelling and awesome. Yeah. I think it's really, I don't know. I mean, again, I think it's going to be, especially us talking about it. And I just know that every time I watch it, I'm going to gel with it and like it more and more. Mm -hmm. I am fascinated by just the fact that the I, it's a purposefully very mythical, very iconic shot. It's not as though Ridley Scott didn't mean to make a ending to this movie that was going to really sear itself in your brain. I'm fascinated with that shot being the thing, being the thing that is kind of associated with this movie. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's a good one. I'm going to, next time I watch it, I think I'm going to like it even more. I think that is correct. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you liked it a good amount this time. Oh, and I'm excited for you to like it more. And more. You know, you know what this movie made me excited to watch? What? Uh, Alien. Yes. <laughs> Another fucking awesome movie. You yes. know what movie I, you know what movie I put on last night after I finished watching film and Louise? Alien? Uh, Blade Runner. Oh, yeah. yeah, Ridley Scott, a uh, good guy. Yeah, stoked yeah. that he's still making movies. I mean, he's yeah. one of those dudes that like he and Scorchese and Clint. It's like, look, I'm like, I cannot, I cannot ask any more of you, of you men. And if I, if any of you decide to retire, mm -hmm. then like, bro, I get it and like go for it and like you've earned it. But also, I'm like, I mean, if you guys just keep churning them out, yeah. Like, 
like banger if, after banger. Like I'm not gonna complain about it. Like if Martin Scorsese tells me that Killers of the Flower Moon needs to be four hours long. Oh, did you know? Oh, I, you're not on Twitter though. I'm not. You I mean, I've it back. I, it's three twenty six oh, now. Okay, that's, he, he, he locked, that's still locked a really long in. movie. No, I but, know, but. Locked picture at 326. Okay. There was a great, I mean, there was a, there was a really, really great meme that went around. It was the Vince McMahon meme. And mm-hmm. it was like, Killers of the Flower Moon is over, is over three hours. It's three hours 30. It's, it's three hours 57. Oh and then God. it goes back down one stage and it's like, oh, I guess it's actually going to be three hours 26. So it's like the third Vince McMahon instead of that's, like, that's funny. I can think of that meme. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh. it's, it's a great, it was a really good meme. I really God. enjoyed that. That, that is, that is maybe. That movie's maybe my most anticipated movie of the year. Yeah, it's gonna be it's, super cool. I'm like very excited that for and, it. That and Barbie, like those are the two. Yeah, because he because yeah. Scorchese he did yeah. he did Wolf of Wall Street and then mm-hmm. Silence and mm-hmm. this is his first film since Silence, right? No, no, uh, Irishman. Oh, that's right. That's right. Irishman. I but, forget about Irishman because of the Netflix of it all. But yes, 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 you're right. But his movies in the 2010s have been all pretty fucking. Like silence is the black sheep of that, and silence I think is really cool. Yeah, but like also his, I'm interested because his big historical epics kind of go one of two ways. Like, is is this going to be? As much as I like the fucking weirdness of Gangs in New York, I don't want it to be a Gangs in New York. You know, I want this thing to be kind of perfect. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, with all that having been said, yes. producer Corey. Would you like to tell all of the fine folks where they can find us on the internet? Absolutely. If you like what you hear, please be sure to like us and subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts. Leaving a review would also really help out the visibility of the show. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Pod. Special thank you to our patrons. If you'd like a shout out on the show and bonus content, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Pod. Thank you so much. Yeah, and as Corey said, check us out over at uh, patreon.com slash Pod. Um, we are about to release a three-month series on Patreon mm-hmm. about the Alien Quadrilogy. Mm-hmm. So this now, one will be doing Alien. You might ask yourself, uh-huh, how you can you do that. a three-month long if you release one episode a month and you're doing it on a quadrilogy how does that make sense quadrilogy as we all know a real term that really exists (laughs) a real word that was not made up specifically to market these four films yeah i'm so sorry i'm going off topic you know what i thought the other day what fucking john wick's quadrilogy now there's four of them it sure is it's incredible um but to that end we are doing three of them on patreon Yes, and we will be doing uh, one episode on the main feed yeah. uh, later on in May. And you might be asking yourself, wait a minute, these two losers have talked about aliens all the time. How all could the they time. possibly be doing an aliens episode on the main feed if the two of them have both seen it? Well, I will not announce who our special guest is quite yet. Um but we do have a special guest coming on the show in a few weeks to talk about one of my favorite movies of all mm-hmm. time, Aliens. So uh, we're going to be doing the Alien Quadrilogy over on Patreon with Aliens dropping on the main feed. And um, yeah, so if you guys want to get a taste of that, please head on over to patreon.com slash pod. There's like fucking almost two years at this point of backlogged content. And uh, there's a lot of really good stuff over there. So we would love yeah. to have your support and uh carson yes let me know what we're doing next week because i forget slash don't know because you haven't said it yet we're doing we're doing the one yeah yeah we're doing yeah so next week not that i know but not that you know that's not we don't plan we don't do any planning on this show um next week we're going to be doing a really interesting movie that i've only seen once i'm very excited to watch again uh, we're going to be doing Being John Malkovich. Yes, a film which I, as you may have guessed, have never seen. Yeah, surprise, surprise. Yeah, so we will see you all next week when we talk about Being John Malkovich. <laughs>